all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. We're doing it live. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> I'll write it. We'll do it live. <laughs> Fucking thing sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we have all the wonderful faces. Yes, of we everybody. do. Hi, guys. This is really weird to see. I know, right? <laughs> Here, I'm going to have multiple things to do. This is going to turn out so badly. Yeah, this is a this is a bit of a production, which is something we're not used to. We're not used to quality. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> There's everybody. There's everybody. Um, since this will actually be coming out as a recorded episode, follow us into Twitter, Facebook at all bad things potty, and also all bad things at gmail.com. Join our Discord and our Facebook discussion group. And welcome everybody. Welcome. <laughs> so we are, yes, indeed, recording this live in front of throngs of our adoring fans. Yes, there's quite a few. I, I really did not think this many people would. I know. We talked about doing a, um, the over-under on how many people we thought would actually join. I think I had it at like 20. <laughs> we had low expectations. So yes, you guys did. came through and we really appreciate it. Yes, thank we you. very, very much appreciate you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Yes. Thank you for tuning in live. Yes. And we made it to our 200th. I know. Episode. I, 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 when I, when we first started the podcast and I started numbering like episode 001, thinking we would make it to triple digits, it was a little bit, um, it was like, yeah, that's not sure if happen. it was going to happen. <laughs> it's like, we'll do a couple and then we'll get right. bored with it. And then, then nothing. But what it means is that we have to stop at episode 999. Yes. So, so you've got, let's see. That's, that's a long time. Yeah. You now. got 20 more years. Of us. <laughs> you only have 20 more years of us. Yeah. So. Um, we won't be short on topics either because <laughs> things will happen in the next 20 years that we'll get to cover. Enough things have happened since Already. we've been doing this <laughs> yes. show that we could have started yes. and just covered those things. Yeah, we, we pretty much could have made this if we if we really wanted to, like a modern day show reflecting <laughs> tragedies that happen. Current events. Yeah. 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 You have the the Navy oh, there was submarine a, that's... That went... Oh, I, that everybody ran I didn't look. I didn't look at it today, but I'm yeah. guessing all those people did not make it. It, it wasn't looking good. I don't even know the the details of all mm. that stuff. I'm terrible about keeping up with. <laughs> I'm bad on my current disasters, but um, that's because we have to focus on one's research for the show. One at a time, exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, we are in our beautiful. This is not our house. <laughs> this is, is my office. Um, we're recording here because my office computer works a lot better and can handle doing a zoom chat with everybody otherwise our home computer couldn't so i'm sorry that means no kitties there nope, will no be cats. no demetrius i know i know i see the <laughs> I disappointment see, I see everybody's the like okay i'm out i'm out what what did i even come here for so yeah sorry no demetrius no jesse um oh but but we see some see some kitties 
Oh boy. Oh yeah. There. We're going to have oh, all the pets are, are showing up now. Oh, <laughs> we're going to have to do a whole pet chat. We'll do a pet chat later for sure. Make sure you have their questions yes. available. Can you hand me angry cat? I want to show, I want to shout out Matthew. Angry cat's here. That was my gift from the gift gift exchange. Thank you, Matthew. Shout out from Hong Kong or to Hong Kong. <laughs> to Hong Kong. Yeah. And uh, thank you to everybody for joining and especially all those who are joining from like halfway across the world where it's like 5 a.m. now. Yeah, we know there are some of you. Yeah. Yes. You're weird people. Don't know why you're so into us, but okay. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> yes. What you drinking? I am drinking a Cottontown lager. A strawberry lemonade Cottontown lager. It is really good. This is out of Deep River Brewery, which is in Clayton, North Clayton. Carolina. Clayton. Good old Joko. Otherwise known as Joko, Johnson County. We're going we're gonna to be visiting the South today, too. Yes, we mm, are. Hint, hint, hint. hint you hint. guys are the only ones who don't know, you what, don't the know what the topic is. is. Yes. We both know, and anyone listening to this when this came out or comes out will know because of the title. But you guys don't know. That's pretty fun. I am drinking. Yes, it's usually just the opposite. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Everyone knows but you. Yes. I am drinking a Caroline out of my Bernie 2020 koozie. Um, and this is Heist Brewery out of Charlotte. They look pretty new and I've not heard of them. I've not heard so. of them either. Yes. We'll have to good. hit that up when we go to Charlotte. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is tasty. Can I try it again? Yeah. That was good. For authenticity. Yes. <laughs> I, I do like my strawberry lemonade, which Yours I, is a little I didn't, sweet. I like which the I didn't think would go uh, well for a beer, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it All works. Right. Are we ready? So, are we about to go and get into the topic? Yes. I. Oh, okay. No, go, go ahead. ahead. Um, so, everybody, <laughs> what we need you to do, if you have one available, is get your lighters ready. Oh. <laughs> and that might be a hint in itself. Yes. I thought you were going to say, get your Confederate flags ready, which that was a good hint, no, but a I terrible, would... terrible thing to do and have. Well, I, I hope nobody has one to do that with. But well, yes. well if, you, if you do, that's so that's Confederate flags, the South and lighters. What could we possibly be talking about? Freebird. <laughs> the topic of this episode is the Leonard Skinner plane crash. Ooh, yeah, I, see, I, I see some ooh, reactions. Good, good reactions. Yes. <laughs> so, we ready? Yes. Oh, this will be also be an audio visual presentation. Um, we have slides. Visual. Visual. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> On October 20th, 1977, the year of your birth, a plane carrying members and the entourage of the Southern rock band Leonard Skinnerd crashed in the swamps of Mississippi killing six people. All right. Primary sources. So, so we did our research a little bit differently mm -hmm. this episode. I did the first half. You did the did. second half. Yep. So, um, so I will cite my sources per use and you won't. You guys already know what my sources are. <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia and history, history channel. <laughs> and I used, uh, I did use, um, uh, some excerpts from a local, it was either the Greenville newspaper or the Mississippi one. I, I think it was the Greenville one. Okay. So okay. I did actually go to a newspaper this time as well. Oh, very good. My <laughs> primary sources were grunge.com, history101, louder sound, leonardskinner.com, 
the Peoria Journal Star, that was an unusual one, and of course Wikipedia. Shout out to Eric and Rook, who both suggested this disaster. All right. So this was kind of, well, okay. So we're gonna let you guys in on something because uh, whatever. Uh, our 199th topic that's coming out on Monday as you guys are, as we're doing this now, recording this live, um, was going to be our original 200th topic. So on Monday, you guys will hear the the publicity disaster that was the mystery of Al Capone's fault. Yes. Geraldo did a live show where he was, like uncovering the untold treasures or bodies or cash in the vaults of Al Capone. They were all empty. It was this yeah, they whole found live nothing. TV show debacle. But, um, but well, I, I guess we shouldn't say that because maybe some people don't know what it is, but yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It was <laughs> a disaster. Alert. It was a disaster though. It qualified. <laughs> um, but we decided instead to do an actual disaster, disaster and a don't plane, know why plane, you guys love plane, plane disaster so much, but we decided to give the people what they want. Yeah, so. going through uh, the history of our episodes, our plane disasters always have the most listens. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with you people. <laughs> what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> um. So it also this this topic is I thought pretty good for us because we get to banter inanely and endlessly on rock music. And classic rock. What did you say? What music? Rock. Oh, I thought you said, I swear to God, I thought you said rec music. I was like, what's <laughs> what that? What is rec music? <laughs> I don't oh, know. Okay. <laughs> rock music. Rock. Um, yeah. Uh, and Although uh, they weren't doing this in 1977. That didn't come along until the 80s. Was that a metal thing? It was, yeah, it was, it was kind of somewhat created by Ronnie James Dio. The, the devil of who? Ronnie James Dio? You don't know who that is? No. He had a solo career and was also the other lead singer in Black Sabbath after Ozzy. Oh. After they kicked Ozzy out. I didn't know that. You've never heard of Ronnie James Dio? No. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> early Sorry. Ban early banter before we I even get... I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> um, and then also this disaster is tied to the South, where we presently live. Yes. So. And it is also tied to a city, which I did used to live in. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Greenville. Greenville, South Carolina. South Carolina. Yes, indeed. So we're going to... Bright, Bright Lights, big city. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're going to start with some background about the South, Southern Rock, and of course, Skinnerd. Yes. So, uh, for, so Geography Corner, Natch. Uh, the American South is, as the name would suggest, the Southern part of the United States more specifically the southeastern part of the United States, although the exact bounds are uh, up for debate. I'm going to share my pre my visuals now. Yes. Hopefully this will work. Oh, hold on. <laughs> well, you have to clearly. Okay. There, does everybody see a map? A cute little, oh, and lots yep, of okay. nodding heads. Lots Very good. Not. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. So this is the roughly the south as it were. <laughs> Other places. Yeah. <laughs> Other places, USA. Alaska and Hawaii are not exactly where they are depicted. I like how you just put in South Florida. Like, well, because it's not just, the South. No, no, no. But I'm just like completely just um, like just forgetting about the rest of the state. Well, the rest of the state is. <laughs> oh, no. I can't say that. I can't say what I want to say because I know we have people joining in who are in other parts of Florida and I don't want to insult your fair cities but you know we South Floridians are snobby as fuck 
just know that we insult the rest of Florida in private. Yes. Basically, it's like, well, we have Miami. We're we'll we'll generously include Broward County, the Keys, um, maybe I honestly, up to West Palm, and then the rest is I don't know the swamp. I didn't know what a crazy place Florida was until I really met you, and you, and you told me all the like. I never really. All I thought about Florida before was literally like Disney World and beaches. Like that's all I, as far as I thought, and alligators. Yeah, there's a that's lot. As far to as I, there's a lot. Thought it through. <laughs> yes. Now I have a sister that lives there, and that's right. Yeah, yeah so. more ties to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the um, a lot of times the South is uh, used to really mean the deep South. I think most people yeah. consider. I you could basically. Even though some states in the Confederacy were in the Midwest, right? People mostly, I think, when people when the you South think of the South, the Civil War South, yes, right? right? Yeah, uh huh. But so typically, definitely like Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, and then it kind of shows which I agree with some peripheral states Virginia. like North Carolina, um, Tennessee, Art. Arkansas. Yes, <laughs> that's, Arkansas. that's Arkansas. I initially had the Walmart tag up at Missouri. <laughs> it was completely wrong. I had the wrong state. Um, and then Louisiana. So anyway, <laughs> Walmart, Arkansas, Walmart, Arkansas. That's that's what well, that's what I think of when I think of Arkansas. I've actually been to this place where it you is. Have, that's where yeah. my buddy lives. Yeah. So um, so uh, what what's more important than the actual geography of the South is the culture of the South, which unfortunately, but like most of the United States is extremely problematic in a lot of ways, especially tied to racism. We have a race problem here in the United States and it has very, very long roots. And this is nothing new to anybody, I'm sure. Um, So this is the part of the country that literally seceded from the union because they wanted specifically to keep slavery which is horrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think that's controversial. <laughs> it's it's not, but uh, anyway. Okay. A lot of people who are from the South, South, uh, and don't feel that some of those things are as problematic, find a lot of pride in being from the South and Southern sure. pride. And that includes like the symbol of the Confederate flag and such, which Skinner embraced. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of part of that problematic culture. Um, But regardless of its problems, one thing about the American South is that it really is where rock and roll music originated. Yes, it is. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, that happened because of different genres like rhythm and blues, country, jazz, gospel gospel, mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. that combined to create a brand new genre, like a truly American genre of music, you know, which we talked about in our day the music died. Mm -hmm. Yes, we did. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, And this style of music, this new music was also associated with both black and white artists. Mm-hmm. So, um, and Latino like Richie Valens. Yes. So. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we did talk about in our day, the music died episode, how in the late 1950s, the rock scene in the U S really petered out. Yeah. It kind of just, it didn't necessarily die. It just kind of went away for like a couple of years. The U S was no longer the place yeah. where rock was, was percolating right happening and evolving um that was because of things like elvis got drafted uh chuck berry got arrested jerry lee lewis married his like 14 year old cousin which no i'm not gonna say never mind never mind (laughs) good for you jerry (laughs) it's not weird at all rock basically stayed alive because of bands in the uk 
getting a hold of the genre and eventually importing it, re-importing it to mm-hmm. the United States during the British invasion of the 60s. And that was pretty a pretty pivotal moment in rock history because that's when rock really started to grow and all of its subgenres began to mm-hmm. proliferate. Uh, well, mainly uh, it began to sell, like at a level that it hadn't before. That, well, because of the Beatles mm-hmm. really broke through mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, then like Dylan plugged mm-hmm. in, uh, early metal started forming, guitar players started to really up their game and become virtuosic. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix kind of rewrote the book on that. Very much so. So, And in my opinion, Eddie Van Halen picked up the mantle from Jimi Hendrix. Oh, he, you think he's like the spiritual I think he was successor? The, yes, I think so. Okay. And unfortunately, he died this year, didn't last year. Yeah, he's gone. Eddie Van Halen passed he, away last year, like a couple, oh, that's couple right. months ago. Yeah, uh, last kind of, year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I forgot about I that until so. just now. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, so it was during this time that rock started to come back to its root in the, roots in the South with some bands. Now, weirdly, the precursor of Southern rock, some of the, the predecessors in terms of groups of Southern rock were not groups from the South, like, da, 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 <laughs> share and screen, and now sure. uh, <laughs> we have Creedence Clearwater Revival, CCR, and the band. Yep. Yeah, the band, the band. They took they they took that one really early. That's why I think that's why the band the the had to had to had to (laughs) come around and 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 and. (laughs) no the exclamations after the second and 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 and. yes that's right. (laughs) Uh, But neither of them were from neither bands were from the south. CCR was from California Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know where the band is from. Mostly Canadian. Are they really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Hey. Oh yeah. Our Canadian brethren. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. But what they did... I know the Guess Who is Canadian, but... uh <laughs> What do they have to do with Southern Rock? Uh, they just, I don't know. I was just you're naming just, a Canadian you're band. You're naming Canadian and bands Rush. now. <laughs> Rush. And Our Lady Peace. Um, <laughs> Alanis Morissette. Our Lady Peace for the for the people in the audience that are around my age. Oh, okay. I don't, you probably you don't even know who they are. Heard of them. Oh, okay. I think from you. <laughs> oh, okay. Makes sense. But what they did do is they started the southern rock sound the early roots of the southern rock sound which is like the um because even though like john fogarty's from like southern california or whatever is like born in the bayou he's like this yeah he's yeah Yeah, that's right i guess i never thought about that well i mean uh i mean that tradition continued on and probably still does today i remember uh the first time i ever heard green day i thought they were british on holiday well that's that's 10 years out i'm (laughs) talking about their first album and apparently they really were, they admitted to later that they were kind of putting on a fake trying. British accent. That's funny. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. And pretentious. <laughs> yes. Um, but there was also like that twangy guitars. Um, also oh, yeah. Guitar a big, I was going to say a big guitar sound is definitely a hallmark of uh, Southern rock. Yes. And country, heavy country influence. Sure. On yeah. rock, so, but the first real homegrown Southern rock group from the South that hit it big was any guesses, anybody. Sorry, we can't hear you anyway. We're going to show you <laughs> the Allman Brothers Band. Mm-hmm. So Brother uh, Dwayne and Brother Greg. And the Brothers Allman Band. Yes. That's right. So it's uh, Dwayne Allman and Greg Allman. Uh, and they formed in the late 60s. So the eponymous brothers we see there, Dwayne and Greg, they were from Nashville. So this, this I mean, the, the yeah. epicenter of country music, yeah. I would say. 
Um, they, but so they were from Tennessee originally, and they lived mostly in the South growing up. They moved around. They were in a military family, mm-hmm. so but mostly around the South. Uh, and their sound was really important in forming the seminal Southern rock feel, like bluesy lyrics from like an everyman or working class sort of um, perspective, strong lead guitars. These guys were brilliant guitars yeah, and never... their double leads mm-hmm. uh, were amazing. Like, well, they, uh, they kind of, uh, and, uh, they kind of brought about Jessica and all that. Um, Cause original rock music, like, well, original rock music, uh, when it older rock music when it first started to become rock music first started to become formidable you know like with the the day the music died like those bands it was pretty much standard you had a singer guitarist guitarist bassist drummer right mm-hmm. these bands brought in no we're gonna have two guitars yes. we're gonna have and, know, and keys yes they, the, and we're gonna have key, percussion along with drums and some two drummers mm-hmm. would have two yeah two mm-hmm. drummers yep um, so filling out the sound a little a little bit more Yep, and they were they were known for their guitar riffs, the straightforward uh, drums. They did integrate jazz too, along with uh, Greg Allman's keyboard playing, and they did have two drummers as well. So yeah, this did is they really? when, mm-hmm. oh, okay. this is when everybody that. starts coming on the stage. Skinner definitely carried that on. We'll call we'll talk yeah. about like <laughs> we'll see their album covers and how there's like ten people. Yeah, they, they just keep cover. expanding. Yeah, this guy's like I play a piccolo. They're like you're in. <laughs> I do want to take a little aside here about the Allman Brothers. So they have a really interesting little bad thing unto themselves. So Dwayne and Greg Allman's father, Willis Allman, was murdered. Really? When both of the boys were really young. Uh, Willis was a lieutenant stationed at Camp Story in Virginia Beach. And at the age of 31, he was killed by an armed robber. Wow. Yeah, named Michael Robert Green. Who got the death penalty no for the murder? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so wow, the boys. Thirty-one. That's really young. I know the boys had a rough start from like basically uh, day one. Uh, so the band, the Almond Brothers, became really, really popular with both audiences and other musicians. But unfortunately, at the height of their popularity in 1971, Dwayne Almond died a month shy of his 25th birthday in a motorcycle accident. I think I did know that. Yeah, I think I did. I think I had that heat. Yeah, yeah, I knew that they had some Mm -hmm. tragic deaths. Yeah. Um, So he basically, um, trigger warning for any motorcyclists, uh, he basically rear ended a flatbed truck. Yeah. And that's not going to go well for for a motorcycle. So, Uh, but this was the, I even wrote milieu that uh, Leonard Skinner was born into. So. So, like the Allman Brothers, Leonard Skinner. Oh, yeah. So, mm, backtracking because I didn't include it in the previous part. So the the brothers bopped around, but they formed in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. So, uh, well, so did Skinner. They formed in Jacksonville in 1964. Um, now, to say that they formed in 1964 is a little deceptive. They were literal children. Like they were 14, 15, 16 years old. They're, this is like, you know, let's start a band. Well, hey, hey, that's when Hanson put out an album. So <laughs> sounds like they were slacking. <laughs> yeah, because the youngest was like 11 or 12 when yeah. they started Hanson, and, and, right? And Silverchair, Silverchair put out an album when they were like 15 and 16. Like, yeah, these guys just don't want it enough. <laughs> they're not hungry enough. No, they're not hungry enough. Um. So... Uh, the founding members knew each other from playing baseball together 
And then to cement the fact further that they were indeed a very Southern band, they all went to the same high school. Can you guess the name of the high school? Um, the most Southern, Southern. I'm trying to think. After. I'm trying to think of the gen- Robert E. Lee High yes. School. I, I, yes, did I really you get are that? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> they went to Robert E. Lee. It was high either school. good. I was trying to. I was trying to remember him, and I was trying to remember uh, who was the president of the Confederacy, but I can't remember his name. Oh. But anyway. I was like, it's going to be one of the other. Everybody's like screaming in the chat. Seriously, <laughs> answered all the questions. Look, you yeah. stupid people. I can't remember his name now. <laughs> oh, well. So, yeah, they literally went to Robert Ely. They high went to school. Robert Ely High School in Jacksonville, Florida. Yes. Did they have nooses good. hanging from the trees at that oh, high school geez. or? Too far. <laughs> I didn't mean with people in them. I just, I just meant like as a decoration. This was 1964. Yeah. This, yeah, that they, so, still happened. So they probably I mean, did. It... <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so the three original members forming the band, we have pictures of, uh, were, oops, let me get my little mouse out of the way. There we go. Um, were Ronnie Van Zandt, or born Ronald Wayne. Ronald Wayne Van Zandt. Van Zandt. On vocals, Bob Burns, or Robert Louis Burns Jr. On drums, and Gary Robert Rossington, or Gary Rossington, and his little glamour shot with it, like the kicky yeah, hand the, on the hip at the end. The, the far right gr- glamour shot for all the ladies that are watching this look at the screen. I'm sure they're getting really excited. Like, look, <laughs> look at that guy. <laughs> I don't even know if for the time that was like considered attractive. I don't I don't, know. I'm attracted to him. That's all I can say. <laughs> so they added in and will uh, someone will meet later they added in uh, guitar player alan collins and bass player larry Junstrom, or johnstrom i imagine hmm. is Junstrom. Junstrom, a swede yeah uh, or, or a finn, finn. Yeah. and became the noble five that was their first name that's a good name and then they became the one percent <laughs> yeah that <laughs> which doesn't... in retrospect would not have been a name that held very no well in they wouldn't have been able to market that one very well it, so. not today anyway not eventually yeah <laughs> Uh, before finally becoming one of the most confusingly spelled bands of all time, mm-hmm. Leonard Skinnerd with no vowels. <laughs> uh, everything is a Y, so Leonard Skinnerd. Okay. Leonard Skinnerd. Well, A is a vowel. There is no, there's no A. Leonard. It's Y's. This is how it's spelled. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, I guess I never you realized that. It. I found it placed in your oh. script. That's right. I guess mm-hmm. I didn't even notice that. I know. Wow. <laughs> it, there's no, no vowels. Mm-mm. I thought it was Leonard Skinnard. It's no, Lin- it's, it's Leonard Skinner. Leonard Skinner. We'll see. We'll see it on the okay <laughs> the next slide. I guess I never even noticed that. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Learn but, something new every day. Do you know how they came up with the band name? I do. Um, it had something to do with their principal or something like that? Yeah, close gym teacher. Yeah. Their, oh, okay. Their PE teacher. Yeah. Uh, at Robert E. Lee High School <laughs> was a man named Leonard, like normally spelled Leonard Skinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, who didn't like them and called yeah. them a bunch of long hairs. Well, yeah, it's it's always interesting to see a photo of somebody, what they looked like with short hair and then a, right, right side the, by side with Ronnie long Van hair. Zandt, we had the straight laced uh, and then the later picture. Yeah. There are photos for anybody who was out there wondering. There are photos of a 12 year old me with long hair. I just have to find them one day. You had a mullet. I did. Yeah, I played hockey. It was required. <laughs> it was required. In, 19, yeah, in the 1980s, like you couldn't play hockey without a mullet. They would have kicked they, you out. No, they just didn't let you in. Oh, they didn't let you in in the first place. Like, you got to grow that. Did they have to measure it? They like, did. If it's not this long. They had to measure it, and then they had to make sure when you were skating real fast, 
real fast what the flow rate was. That was very important. Oh, of the, the, the flowing. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Leonard Skinner became, they had a decent amount of success locally by 1970. So like for a little local regional band. And at that point, because of the Allman Brothers, Southern Rock was seeing a lot more mainstream success. They swapped out their bass player. They picked up a keyboardist. They got a second drummer. So they were carrying on in the Allman tradition of like, hey, let's just like we need gather things. people we just on need stage. People. Yeah. Now, I, I'm saying all of this jokingly, but I am a person who's in a 15-piece band. <laughs> yes, you are. So. They're like, um, like anybody on recorder, anybody. <laughs> well, when you have a horn section, it's different. Mm -hmm. Uh, but by the time they released their first studio album, which we've got the cover of, and you can see how it's actually spelled here. Yeah, I, I never noticed that. That is so crazy. Yeah. So 1973. So, 1973. The album is helpfully entitled Pronounced Leonard Skinnerd. <laughs> <laughs> so that people would know how to how to pronounce it. Well, that's a good one. You didn't have the internet back then. So yeah. Like, yeah. They had, I think, on the like the actual credits of the album, they had six core members and four additional personnel. But there's seven. People I was just to say, but there's know, seven people in the know. picture. I, I tried. <laughs> there is a Wikipedia page on the personnel of Leonard Skinner, and I couldn't yeah, keep track and, of and it. And it's his like, own I page. Couldn't. It's it's so many. I think I put in later like how many, but um, so this was their uh their breakthrough album, right? This is what uh put them on the map. Uh, and it also, like, a lot of their hits were on this album. Freebird. Oh, go ahead. Where's your oh, later? Oh, yeah. yeah. Freebird. Freebird. Free That's somewhere in here. <laughs> Freebird. Which still almost 50 years later mm -hmm. is a thing that people say. Well, now people really hold up their function. phones instead. Just, well, no, no. People call out, like, oh, if, yeah. if you're oh, a fan a joke. and you yeah. ever ask for a request, Somebody will say somebody free will bird, say Freebird. Yes, that's yes. just how it goes. <laughs> Give me three steps was also on it. Okay. Um, Simple Man. Wow, those were both on the same album. And Tuesday's Gone. Those were oh wow. They're all on okay. the first album. So, so they were like really depressed on their first album. <laughs> they just they just couldn't get away from like this. There's two. There's the the fast like. I don't know what this means, but like saloony. <laughs> uh, I don't know, like. I don't know what any of this means, but you know, like country, I, like yeah. Southern rock songs. Plus for any, if there's any aspiring guitar players listening for the ending solo in free bird to be able to play it, you have to snort a mountain of cocaine first, then you can play it. We'll get to their drug use. <laughs> Cause there's no way you cannot write we'll that. Get to that. You cannot write that solo, not on cocaine. You can't like, improvise it either. Yeah, like you can you can be on other things. Like you can be on cocaine and acid or cocaine. But you have and, to start with a base. You have to start with the cocaine. <laughs> um and then there then, then there are ballads. Like Freebird, Simple Man, and Tuesday's Gone are all written on the same premise. I wanna say, and I don't know if you have this written down, I wanna say like the original full-length version of Freebird, isn't it like 15 minutes long or no, something it's like, like that? Seven-ish. It's like it's like the southern equivalent of um stairway to heaven southern rock stairway no. to heaven is free bird i think that's how i would put it because it changes yeah it changes it does that doom 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 at the end and then yeah fly high free bird and yeah. all that and then the it, then the the solo and then the ending solo and yeah, then, the, and like then the ending solo solo yes and then the solo where it's almost going to end solo yes <laughs> and then the actual <laughs> and end. then the actual solo it does end it yes. does physically end 
Um, so the first album's success was bolstered by the fact that they became the opening act for The Who. Really? In okay. their U.S. tour of Quadrophenia in 73. Oh, wow. That's a big album. It was a huge album and not at all um, the Who Stampede that we covered. That was years later. That was like yes, 1979. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, should we let... <laughs> what? Here. Should we let what? Your sister in. <laughs> oh, okay. is she? Oh. <laughs> it's okay. I let her in, Sarah. <laughs> um, I was like, I know who that is. Oh. <laughs> Um, so they, co- they covered, uh, or they toured with the who they were the opening act of their 73 quadrophenia tour. Um, now I would not have necessarily paired together the who and Skinner. It kind of makes sense. So, but yeah. it, it, it's um, okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and it was obviously a big boon to Skinner's career. So they went back to the studio and they released their 1970. These guys churned out. Yeah, they albums. did. Yes, they so this did. This is their 1974 album. But that was kind of also at a time when that's just what people did. Right. You just, I mean, yeah, just, just put out album out after album. Yeah. Pump out the jams. Mm-hmm. So this is second helping from 1974. I love this cover. I do. It's pretty that's hilarious. A good cover. Um, it reminds me of, I'm almost positive that this is what uh, Spinal Tap was oh, sending up for okay. rock and roll creation. They had, I tried to find a good picture of it and couldn't. They they completely like used that as inspiration. It's like a stained glass window thing. This is so Second Helping, 1974. And this album is the album that included their absolute number one career defining hit. I thought it was Freebird. That's the kind one, but what one is played to death? And oh, uh, Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. It is possibly the worst hit song ever written. It's pretty bad. It's horrible. <laughs> Sorry for that controversial <laughs> opinion. I can still kind of listen to Freebird. Like if I hear it, it's just like, yeah, it's a good. Or actually a lot of their songs are good, I think. But yeah, Sweet Home Alabama. I just, it's just one of those songs that have been played so many times. And it's just like. It's, I, yeah. I, I don't think it can be overstated how much it's played on like classic rock radio. Oh God, it was, yeah. at least oh, yeah. in, and especially in the South, you hear it everywhere and there's three chords. That song is playing in the United States right now, somewhere. And for every other <laughs> minute for the rest of the day. Yes, yes exactly. And that it is- might be playing on the radio station here for all we know. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the song that kind of majorly cemented them as a Southern rock band. It was a diss track. Yeah, you told me about that. Yeah, yeah. let's get into that. Do you yeah. know what too? I, I can't remember what you told me. Neil Young. That's right. Yep. In 1970. So this was even a few years prior to this. Did the song Southern Man. Yeah, which, that's right. Which is actually a very good song. It called out Southern culture for racism. It invoked images of like uh, burning crosses. It referenced reparations. Like it was, it was, I mean, it's Neil Young. He's a Canadian. Hey. So that's true. Neil Young being a Canadian was probably mostly calling out all of America because those problems happened everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. so this song, uh, uh, Sweet Home Alabama, specifically says, uh, t- uh, I hope Neil Young will remember. Yes, Southern that's man, right. Don't Southern eat man. him around right. anyhow. Mm-hmm. So they're basically like, well, fuck you, Neil Young, for being an anti-racist. So in a roundabout way, they're also the pioneers of rap. Yeah, the diss track. Diss tracks have a long history. The Wikipedia article is pretty interesting, but um, but it was it was it was a diss track for like well at least part of it was to to Neil Young. Fuck that Canadian guy. But it's not a positive sign that they felt the need 
to diss Neil Young for being like, hey, racism isn't cool. Well, fuck you, Neil Young. Like, well, okay, what does that say about you, Leonard uh, Skinner? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but what it did do for Leonard Skinner is it made them the seminal Southern rock band of the time. And I'd say that they're still very much in the conversation as to this day. Oh, yeah. Oh, easily. Southern rock Easily. Band, so. Um, apparently touring with The Who was a bit of a turning point for the band. They allegedly developed the idea that they had to out crazy the notorious Keith Moon. That's a that's a that's a tall order. That is. <laughs> Keith Moon had some issues. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> with a lot of things. So um, and I'm saying allegedly because things are going to turn pretty weird and dark here. Um so and it's hard to know what's true what's lore what's alleged whatever supposedly instead of the usual sex drugs rock and roll antics they apparently went quite dark and all the hysterical anti-rock parents should have been way more concerned about their kids listening to skinnard than sabbath because while on the tour they allegedly (laughs) (laughs) trigger warning animal cruelty coming up trigger warning trigger warning trigger warning we'll do like a little sign when we're done or something like that um, they either skinned a cat alive what? or threw a cat out of a, a, like a fourth story hotel room. I hope it was the latter. The, uh, no, the cat died in either oh. case. Like I was going to say, I thought a cat could it, survive that fall. I guess apparently not. whatever happened, they killed a cat. Oh my God. So. What the fuck? Okay, we're done. No more. <laughs> we're done with the animal cruelty. No more animal cruelty. That was just a terrible thing either way. If that uh, happened. Yeah. So. Uh, less up for debate is that the drummer Bob Burns uh, had a nervous breakdown at some point in like 1974 or 75. They left the band, um, though exactly how that happened is a little less clear. Um, uh, and that Bob Burns may have been the one to do the thing to the animal that we just said. But anyway, uh, and allegedly this was because Burns had seen The Exorcist too many times. But that sounds like a satanic panic, like legend thing i don't know yeah so, uh but he was they didn't harm a cat in the exorcist did they no just the idea that like he he was poor, badly influenced it's it is very yeah. satanic panicky like, yeah to, to be fair but oh he watched the exorcist so now he's killing cat like that's right. the it, easiest... it sounds like the, yeah. the lore version granted, <laughs> yeah but. so he was replaced um by a man whose not real name was artemis pile let me get to oh you got him yeah this is riveting okay so this is thomas delmer pile who decided to go by the nickname artemis i think artemis is worse honestly i don't know (laughs) tom pile tommy but no not tom thomas like thomas pile i don't know Uh, that's a hard one yeah he should have changed his last name instead yeah so he joined them for their third album nothing fancy in uh, 1975, which included another seminal Skinner song, Saturday Night Special. So far, they've on every album they've had seven people on the album cover. That's true. They're so not they're, necessarily they're, the same seven. Right. People, they're they're keeping they the uh, they're they keep they're keeping the amount of people. The consistent. lucky seven. Yeah. Um. So around this time, the band members' relationships were apparently just completely deteriorating. Uh, Ronnie Van Zant apparently uh, hit his bandmates pretty regularly when he thought they did something wrong or stupid or whatever. He would actually physically assault them. 
Uh, Artemis Pyle would later say of him, quote, I loved and respected Ronnie Van Zant. I mean that from the bottom of my heart, but I have seen the man turn into the devil right in front of me and hurt people, end quote. So, wow. uh, Van Zant was arrested 12 times, uh, five of which were within the year leading up to this plane crash. So the last year of his life was pretty tumultuous. Troubled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The band quickly developed a reputation as alleged, quote, offstage boozers and brawlers, end quote. Um, like I said, I tried to keep track of who was in and out of the band during this time. Mm -hmm. All I know is that the Wikipedia page cites 27 total band members over the oh years. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> wow. Um, but notably, because it's going to come up, guitarist and vocalist Steve Gaines joined the band in 1976 after his sister Cassie Gaines had joined as a backup singer in late 75. And the new lineup went on to record their fourth studio album. Is it fourth? Two, mm -hmm. three, four, four. Yes. I've lost track. Yep, already. we're on the fourth. Yeah, okay. Their fourth studio album, Gimme Back My Bullets. Uh, that was released in 76. And that was quickly followed. Oh, I didn't include the, I forgot this album covered. Uh, quickly followed by 1977's Street Survivors. And that's the last album mm -hmm. before the crash. Um, and it was on that album, Street Survivors, it featured the hits, What's Your Name? and That Smell, mm -hmm. which for some reason I thought it was, was about the Vietnam War, the smell of death surrounds you. Like, it just seemed like timing wise it made I sense, just, I don't know. I mean, I know the song, but I don't think I've ever paid attention to the lyrics. Well, it's the chorus is weird because it's literally like, can't you smell that smell that or smell? can yeah. you smell that smell? Yeah, it's I really always weird. thought it was kind of weird, weird to write a song about something smelling. Yes, I agree. <laughs> like you can put it in the song. It's somewhere, the strangest of all the senses but, to write about. Yeah, but have it as like the uh, yeah. 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 Uh, but but it, that was kind of weird. It turns out that that song was inspired by the band's increasingly out of control behavior. For example, a few months earlier on Labor Day weekend 1976, Gary Rossington had hit a tree while driving drunk and under the influence of other drugs. That's just something that people did in the 1970s. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not you're not wrong. That it really used is. to be way more widespread than it is now. Yeah. yeah. As a slight jump ahead to after the crash, but to cover another important figure in the band who we uh, just talked about briefly before was the co-writer with Ronnie Van Zant of That Smell, uh, Alan Collins, born Larkin Alan Collins Jr. Uh, he's, he's the guitarist. Uh, he went on to have an entire decade worth of tragedies oh. uh, in the 80s. So it started in 1980, his wife of 10 years, Kathy Johns, died of a hemorrhage oh. during a miscarriage in 1980. Oh, wow. um, that was their third child. Hmm. Uh, in 1986, he was driving under the influence uh, when he got into a car wreck that killed his girlfriend at the time, Deborah Jean Watts, and left him paralyzed from the waist down. Wow. And then in 1990, at age 37, Collins died from pneumonia as a, com a complication of his paralysis. Wow. So he had a rough kind of end to his life, unfortunately. Of the song, That Smell, <laughs> That Smell, that came out that weird. Smell. Of the song, That Smell, co-writer Ronnie Van Zant said, quote, I had a creepy feeling things were going against us, so I thought I'd write a morbid song, end quote. Oh, Van Zant's sense. father, Lacey Van Zant, would later say that he believed Ronnie had, quote, second sight. End quote, like he could, he had premonitions and stuff. 
Many people who knew Van Zant knew his often repeated premonition that he would die by the time he was 30, citing hmm. the deaths of the members of the 27 Club, like, Jan like Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix. And he was 29 years old on October 20th, 1977. Hmm. That's my half. Oh. That's my half. Oh, do I have to have my half here and ready? No, we're going to take an intermission. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So we've made it halfway through. We're going to take a quick thank you thank you thank you we're gonna take a, a quick little break let david run downstairs <laughs> for his for his smoky break mm -hmm. and uh we'll be back it should just be a few minutes so we'll see you guys shortly hang in there <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> so is everybody ready for part two which will be the not so fun part the disaster part of the disaster yes so Leonard Skinner would endure. It's now that I'm reading that, it just looks so okay. Leonard uh -huh. Leonard Skinner. No, it's it, they told you it's pronounced I, I Leonard know, Skinner. I know. It just looks weird. So Leonard Skinner would endure one of the worst tragedies in music history on October 20th, 1977, when a Convair CV240 plane that the band had chartered from LJ Company in Addison, Texas, crashed into a wooden area near Gillsburg, Mississippi. There were a total of 26 people on board, including two crew members, the entire band, and several members of the band's entourage. Three members of the band, lead vocalist slash founding member Ronnie Van Zant, guitarist and vocalist Steve Gaines, backing vocalist Cassie Gaines, who was Steve Gaines' older sister, which you mentioned mm -hmm. before, were killed in the crash. Assistant road manager Dean Kilpatrick was also killed in the crash, along with both pilots, Walter McCreary and, and William Gray. The remaining 20 on people in, on board suffered severe injuries as a result of the crash. We'll get into that in a little bit. The pioneering Southern rock band had just released their fifth album, Street Survivors, just three days earlier. Oh, I didn't know it was that, that mm -hmm. recent. On October 17th. Following a string of hits that already included Free Bird, Give Me Three Steps, Sweet Home Alabama, and Give Me Back My Bullets, the new album went gold within days on the strength of its lead single, What's Your Name? And Leonard Skinner embarked on a national tour to promote the new album. Do you, do you realize you say Leonard Skinner? Do I? Yeah. Leonard Skinner? Leonard Skinner. It looks like it's hard to I know, look at it's, that it's and say to... Leonard Skinner. Yeah. It's... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we know what you mean. <laughs> we know what I mean. We know what you mean. So now we are on to the night of the crash. Um, and there is a... Uh, yes, yes. For you to pull up. Mm -hmm. So Leonard Skinner had just finished up a performance at the Greenville Memorial Auditorium in Greenville, South oh, hold Carolina. On. Hold on. No? What? Hold on. Damn it. What? <laughs> no, sorry, guys. It's just going to, you're going to see something random before you see the actual. Oh, no, it did it. It did it. It remembered. Never I, mind. I'm being okay. ridiculous about Zoom. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Proceed. <laughs> so the band finished up a performance at the Greenville Memorial Auditorium in Greenville, South Carolina on the day of the fatal flight. The band and some of the crew members boarded the aforementioned Convair CV240 that was due to land in Baton Rouge, Louisiana which was roughly 700 miles away to play a show at Louisiana State University or LSU. LSU. Go Tigers, right? Go, go Tigers. G-E-A-U-X. G-E-A-U-X. Go Tigers. Tigers, the French spelling. Early in the flight, witnesses recalled that Ronnie Van Zant had been lying on the floor with a pillow trying to get some sleep as he had been up nearly the entire night before and near the good night of rest. Yeah. Partying, <laughs> beating, up, hell. beating up his other bandmates, Oof. apparently. Yeah. The other passengers played cards to pass the time. Then they became aware that something was wrong. 
Towards the end of the flight, the pilots realized that they did not have a su- sufficient amount of fuel to make it all the way to Baton Rouge. It's not a, that's not a huge, I mean, it's, it's not a jaunt, but it's not a hugely big distance, but it's a small 700 plane. miles in a small plane. It's a small yeah, plane. It's, it's yeah. not, it's not nothing. Yeah, that's nothing almost, fancy. it's not nothing fancy. So, <clears throat> uh, so yes, they have a insufficient amount of that's fuel not good. to make it all the way to Baton Rouge. To state the obvious. The pilots attempted to reroute the plane to Macomb Airport in Macomb, Mississippi, which was about 100 miles from Baton Rouge. The pilots then realized that the plane didn't even have enough fuel to oh make God. it there. With no other options, the pilots decided their only chance was to try and attempt an emergency landing in yeah. an open field. At approximately 6.52 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the plane clipped the top of several trees during the attempted landing and then crashed into a large tree breaking the small plane into pieces upon impact. It's um, we will it's have, amazing anybody anybody survives. Should this. we show the picture now? Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. so we're going to show, uh, and trigger warning, we're going to show a picture of the wreckage. It's pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, no humans will be shown no. in this picture. But, but the... This is the actual wreckage after the How could anybody crash. have survived that? Much less 20 well, people. Most, pe- most, most people, people survived, survived it. Yes. It. That's, that's what's wild. Yeah. It, it I mean, there's nothing. To, there's it, nothing left of that plane. And what's what's so wild is that the, all that happened from impact, not from fire, not from right. unless there was a fire afterwards or something. But like that doesn't look singed. It's just broken. It's just freaking yeah. Well, we'll get into the plane itself. And oh, okay. Other things, but Oof. yes. Uh, uh, essentially, this was bound to happen at some point. Oh. So, just before the crash, drummer Artemis Pyle. Went into or the ca- Tom, Thomas Delmer pile. Yes. Went into the cabin to check on the situation when he was told by Palter, uh, Palter, Palter, <laughs> pilot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Palter is something else. I don't know. When he was told by pilot Walter McCreary to get out of the cabin and strap himself in and tell, tell everyone else to do so as well. So the band, or at least the passengers were aware of the situation. They kind of just level? had a, this guy just kind of had a funny feeling. He's just like, huh. something's not feeling right. Huh. You know, and I'm just Because I mean, it's, it's essentially a chartered private plane. Right. So you're like, I can just go and hey, ask guys, the pilots what's like what's going on. Yeah. So I'm guessing that that is about the last thing you want to hear from a pilot. Like it's it's the one thing are not going well. It's one thing coming from you know passengers uh, or something. Well, no, like a stewardess or something. But there's obviously no stewardess on this flight. I'm talking like when you're on like a regular commercial flight, and they you're like, but when the pilot themselves are telling you, yeah, yeah. It, well, we we've always says like it's always a bad sign when they tell the flight attendants to to strap in. Oh yeah, it's it's gonna be a bumpy ride. But the worst thing is if you hear the pilots are not doing okay. Yeah, because even like even in the the crashes we've covered the pilots the pilots remain made heady it, yeah. yeah they they managed to stay pretty steady yeah. all things considered yeah. even in the worst case scenarios yeah and that Oof. did not seem to be the i don't really go into that much more but that did mm-hmm. not seem to be the case with these pilots well, they, they seem to be charter pilots maybe yeah they seem to be freaking out a little bit mm-hmm. so with the gravity of the situation making itself clear the passengers sat in silence while some prayed Mm-hmm. Guitarist Gary Rossington then described the sound of the small plane clipping the trees below them like the fuselage was being struck by hundreds of baseball bats at the same time. Oh. The sound got louder and louder until Rossington fell out of consciousness, only to be wake- woken up after the crash with the plane's door on top of him. Oh, my God. 
No, I feel bad for making fun of his glamour shot. He's a he went he had to go through that. Yeah. Oh, poor guy. Yeah. It's, I'm glad is... he was able to continue on and take more glamour shots. <laughs> yes. Oh. For all we know, that one that one could have been after the crash. Maybe it Who was. knows? So keyboard player Billy Powell's nose was nearly torn off his face. Trigger warning. <laughs> like that was trigger a warning. Late. In the crash, I, I wrote this like three weeks ago, so I'm <laughs> yes, I've, I've forgotten some of the details. I don't like that. I don't like that. So his nose was nearly torn off his face in the crash as he suffered severe facial lacerations and deep lacerations to his right leg. That's the main injury most people had were deep Limbs, cuts and yes. like oh, well because of all the all pieces. the shrapnel and every just it's, yeah it's metal. <laughs> It is a metal plane. So decades later, he gave an account of the flight's final moments in an this episode. Is I'm sorry, yes. this is Billy Powell. Yep, okay. he bores Billy Powell. Uh, he gave an account of the flight's final moments in an episode of VH1's Behind the Music television series, mm-hmm. which I have seen. I meant to watch it again. I'm, I'm sure it's on YouTube. Um, stating that Van Zant, who was not wearing a seatbelt, was thrown violently from his seat and died immediately when his head impacted a tree as the plane broke apart. I don't like that. Some element, some elements of Powell's version of the events, however, has have been disputed by both Drummer Pyle and Van Zant's widow Judy Van Zant Janess, who posted the autopsy reports on the band's website in early 1998, oh while confirming other aspects of Powell's account. Pyle suffered broken ribs, but managed to crawl from the wreckage, oh. and along with two of the band's crew, I, I've had a cracked rib before. Yeah, that's that's the no amount of pain. That is the second most painful painful thing i've ever had to deal with the other one being a toothache (laughs) (laughs) well teeth can be wicked yeah yeah Yeah. um so he crawled so pile managed to crawl from the records and along with two of the band's crew members hiked through the woods until they came upon a local farmer who sent for help oh my god so they they were kind of in the they were in the middle of nowhere yeah they were literally backwoods mississippi yes they were which i'm guessing is most of mississippi but certainly <laughs> i'm sure there are uh, developed yeah. portions of mississippi like, but wherever they well i mean they had to make an alert emergency landing in an open field so it's just like you know what i just realized there's an open field real what? quick name a city in mississippi uh jackson which oh, very I, believe good. The, I think is the capital i was coming up with nothing <laughs> <laughs> i think jackson is the capital i'm pretty sure it's it's a i, I have heard of jackson mississippi mm-hmm Oh, Jackson, Mississippi. We show up. We're going to show out smoother than fresh air skippy. Yes, I do know Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. Let's, let's put some fun into a plane crash. I'm sorry. Or are you sorry? <laughs> Proceed. <laughs> so anyway. So yes, Artemis Pyle, along with uh, two of the band's crew members, went, found somebody, found a farmer, got help. Those are the wildest stories mm-hmm. of people like ending up crashed in the middle of nowhere and it's always farmers like, well who else like, is going to be out there yes, uh, granted, <laughs> I mean... but but wow like is that just a that's like a hazard of being a farmer is that yeah. you might happen upon, or people might happen upon you in these horrible situations and uh, and what we're about to get at, just getting to the wreckage wasn't easy itself oh okay so rescue rescuers had to cross a 20 foot wide or six meters waist deep creek and dig through an overgrown forest while digging out rescue vehicles that got stuck in the mud. Oh, okay. We really are talking like the swamp back in the swamps uh, yeah. of Mississippi. Yeah. yeah. Locals worked with rescue officials and drove victims to the hospital in the back of pickup trucks if needed. Hmm. One local resident recalled, quote, I found someone on the ground alive. When I walked to the other side of the plane, I tripped on another person. Another, uh, unquote. 
Another resident commended the actions of all those who helped and highlighted that, quote, some of them were out on that highway directing traffic. Some mm -hmm. of them went home and got tractors. My wife was home on a CB radio. Wow. I'm relaying messages on CB to her 10 miles away, unquote. You know what? Oh, that that's for the, the oh, okay. that we are. Um, like applause, applause to the people. Oh, yeah. Everybody, everybody was. They all chipped in. Anybody who could do anything. Oh, we don't have the ambulance. Direct we'll, traffic. We'll put guys in the back of a pickup Dig truck. Them. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. that's, that's it, very nice. People, it is. When people like. Which I mean, we, we've, and, I mean, we've obviously, yes. we've covered many tragedies. That's normal. Which is, which is, which, which is, is nice. good. It's very nice. Which is good. Yeah. Well, it's like, what would we do if like we saw right. a plane go down in like the, our backyard, mm -hmm. we would go out and help. Or what, what would we do if we saw our back door neighbors, uh, backyard go up in flames and flames. Yeah. We'd, we'd call, call the police. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that was scary. Yeah. yeah. So most of the survivors had been seated toward the back of the plane. Oh, okay. The survivors, all of whom were seriously injured, were transported transported to dis different hospitals for treatment and were not immediately aware of the fatalities. Oh, wow. Rossington, wow. for instance, was not informed until days later by his mother, who was with him while he was in the hospital, that Van Zant had been killed. Oh, man. They, so they, some they of them just didn't know. Didn't know. About his bandmates. And I'm sure some of them were unconscious. Yeah. And... I, I can see, especially at the time, especially as his late seventies, they're probably like, we don't want to upset him and impede his initial um, recovery. Right. So let's, you know, let's keep it from him until he's stronger or something. I can see that. Being, oof. So Cassie Gaines, uh, who, who perished in the crash, had been so fearful of flying in the Convair that she had preferred to travel in the band's cramped equipment truck instead, but Van Zant convinced her to board the plane. Another member of the band's trio of backup singers, collectively known as the Honkettes. <laughs> Jojo Billingsley was not on the plane and she was under a doctor's care in Senatobia, Mississippi, dealing with health problems brought about by substance abuse. Oh, she, wow. So she just so happened to... So her addiction just, actually like saved her life. Uh, yeah, in, in a this instance. Way. Wow. Yes. She planned on rejoining the tour in Little Rock, Arkansas, just three days after the crash on October 23rd. Billingsley reported dreaming of the plane crash and begging guitarist and founding member Alan Collins by telephone not to, conti not to continue using the Convair. Hmm. The band's ex-guitarist, Ed King, said later in an interview that, quote, he always knew it was going to end well. He always knew it wasn't going to oh, end okay. well. Okay, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> unquote, for the band due to their penchant for drinking and brawling, but he could never have envisioned it ending the way it did and recalls being overcome with sadness upon learning of the crash. Yeah, this doesn't have anything to do with their drinking no. or anything or their partying. It's just like, it, I think what, and you kind of touched on this before, there was just kind of a bad vibe, it seemed, like around the band, like something. The culture of the band wasn't great. Yeah, it's just like were... something bad's going to happen. Like it can't, mm. it, you can't keep on this I way. bet they. I bet they were all a lot more convinced that like uh, Ronnie would overdose or um, like something yeah. like that would happen yeah. or he'd get in a fight with the wrong people mm -hmm. or something. Yeah, I, I'm guessing they didn't think that this would be how yeah. this would go. Well, you know, I mean, it's, we're about to get into, into the plane. So, so it was later discovered that the very same aircraft had earlier been inspected by members of Aerosmith's flight crew for possible use in their 1997, 1977 American tour. I'm sorry, <laughs> wait, Aerosmith. Yes, Aerosmith had looked at this exact plane. <laughs> that plane. Wanting to, the same Charter one. It. Yes, wanting to use it. 
but it was rejected because it was felt that neither the plane nor the crew were up to standards. Oh, Aerosmith's assistant chief of, of flight operations, Zunk Bucher, that is his name, <laughs> okay. told of told of observing pilots McCreary and Gray sharing a bottle of Jack Daniels <gasps> while he and his father inspected the plane. Aerosmith's touring family were quite shaken after receiving word of the crash, as Steven Tyler and oh, Joe yeah. Perry had pressured their management into renting that specific plane for use on their tour. So, uh, wow. This could have happened to Aerosmith. Is, oh, wow, we could have been covering the Aerosmith plane crash. Yes. If it wasn't for like their crew members being like, eh, eh, like We saw the pilots drinking. Yeah. Yeah, so this this could very easily be the Aerosmith oh my God, plane crash. Wow. The doomed flight of October 20th, 1977 was intended to be the last Leonard Skinner would make on the Convair. Leonard Skinner. Quote, we were flying in a plane that looked like it belonged to the Clampett family, said Paul. Oh. <laughs> and the band, and get this, and the band had deci- decided that their status as one of the world's top rock acts warranted an upgrade. After arriving in Baton Rouge, which they for- unfortunately never got to, the band planned on acquiring a Learjet to replace the 30-year-old plane. So that means that this plane was built in 1947. It was a 30-year-old. 30-year-old plane. Okay. Which in 1977, you shouldn't be using anything that's 30, 30 years, years old. old. Because the technology. Has... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, that, you could still kind of apply that to today. Like you probably shouldn't be using technology from 1991. <laughs> <laughs> in general. Yeah, just in general. I don't know, like aircraft. Like if you want to play on your old Nintendo, go ahead. <laughs> you know, just don't travel. Just don't fly with it. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, fly on it. just, yeah, just don't use it for flight, which I'm not sure you can do. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I can figure out a way, I'm sure. <laughs> so, yeah, so they were literally, once they got to Ban- Baton Rouge, they were going to play their show and be like, let's check out a new plane. But they, this was going to be their last this flight. This was going to be their last flight on this plane. plane. Oh. And, and it, was. it was their last flight oh. on this plane. So it was the, the last flight of anybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Uh, so all the band agreed that the Convair was well past its prime, but unfortunately the day that they arrived in Baton Rouge to get a new plane never came to be. So now we are moving on to the investigation. Mm -hmm. So after the accident, the NTSB, uh, the National Transportation and Safety Board, removed, inspected, and tested the right engine's ignition magneto and found it to be operated normally, concluding quote, no mechanical or electrical discrepancies were found during the examination of the right magneto, unquote. The inspection also determined that, quote, all of the fuel crossfeed and fuel dump valves were in the closed position, unquote. Powell, among others, spoke of seeing flames shooting out of the plane's right engine during a flight just days before the crash. Subsequent report by the NTSB listed, quote, an engine malfunction of undetermined nature, unquote, as a contributing factor in the crash. Drummer Artemis Pyle told Howard Stern years later in an interview that the fuel gauge in the older model plane was known to malfunction and the pilots had neglected to manually check the tanks before taking off. Because remember, that's the whole reason they wanted to land in a field is they were out of fuel. Right. Yes. Uh In his 2003 book, Leonard Skinner, Remembering the Freebirds of Southern Rock, Gene Odom, a bodyguard for Van Sant, who was on board the plane and survived the crash, reports that co-pilot Gray had been observed using cocaine the previous evening. And was potentially impaired. However, toxicology reports from both pilots' autopsies found no traces of alcohol or other drugs. Really? Okay, so thankfully. they were they were sober at the time at, of the... on the day, I guess. 
Apparently they were not sober for Aerosmith uh, crew inspection time yeah. or the night before, uh, allegedly. I, well, and I guess you can't really, um, that'd be much harder to gauge, but like if they were hung over, maybe not making the best. Oh, did the pilots die? Like Yes, both pilots died. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, because you said people at the back of the plane were the ones who survived. Three so members of the band, one of the band's crew members, and two and pilots. two pilots, okay, yep. or the six people. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, quote, crew inattention to fuel supply, unquote, was ultimately determined to be responsible for the crash. So they, they didn't properly fill up. Well, the, well, he said that the gauge, the fuel gauge, had a tendency to be broken. So you couldn't tell oh. from the gauge itself how much was in the plane so that they had to manually check it. And I guess that's oh, not what they, they did. Oh, and they neglected to manually. Okay, okay. So it's faulty equipment, but they knew it. So it's not like they were... Right. Uh, they didn't know that they were getting inaccurate, possibly right. inaccurate. Well, and they clearly knew it once they were up in the air because they were like, Ugh. Well, they knew it towards the end of the flight. Ugh. They're like, hey... Um, we seem to be running out of fuel. So the accident report records that the aircraft was both owned and operated by L&J Company, but the lease to Leonard Skinner's production company specified that Leonard Skinner was the operator and therefore was responsible for regulatory compliance, including managing the, the flight crew. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, that doesn't, yeah. I'm going to hope that that's changed since this situation. The, the client is responsible? <laughs> yeah, that, that, yes. So the flight crew were employed by a third party and the lease was uh, the lease period was three weeks. Huh. The report records the FAA as taking legal action against LNJ in relation to the operator responsibility and the analysis section concludes by asking, quote, how does the system in such a case protect a leasee who is uninformed either by design, by inadvertence or by his own carelessness, right. unquote. So, Oof. yeah. Wow. So the legacy of this. Mm -hmm. The band's record label, MCA, replaced the album cover of the recently released Street Survivors <gasps> album shortly after the fatal crash. That's right! As it showed the band surrounded by flames. That's right! Oh, I wish I had included that in the... the and anybody visual. who's got, like, one of those first press it's, albums... Yeah, it is, did show them, like... So, oh, yeah. my goodness. I'm sure that... I'm sure that... I'm sure that's the only press they ever did of that was probably the very first one. Yeah, because it was three days before that. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, okay, we're, we're, we're going to change the album <laughs> we cover. We can't change this up. Oh, yeah. God. That would, be, that would be interesting to come across one of those. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. So the site of the crash has become a, memor a memorial for fans, rescuers, and survivors with an oak tree that has been carved with Leonard Skinner iconography, while the site was also the location of a 40th anniversary memorial by survivors and rescuers. So now the, well, the band has changed members here and there at this point, but the, the, the founding members at this point were all still there. Unfortunately, one of them now is gone. Right. Um, so the band. And Gary the, Rossington is still, well, yes. and Bob Burns had left. Yes, he did. I think he came back at one point. He, I, oh, okay. I think I get into that here. Okay. So this was it for the band for a while, 10 years. Wow. They did not play another show mm -hmm. until September 23rd, 1987. Coming up on the 10-year anniversary. In which they took part in a short six-week tour that began at the Concord Pavilion in Concord, California. Hmm. The intention was to simply have the remaining members of Leonard Skinner, along with Ronnie Van Zant's younger brother, Johnny, who would take over lead singing duties, play some reunion shows to commemorate the 10th anniversary of the tragic plane crash. That's why I have this impression of there being brothers, Van Zant. Mm -hmm. 
because they're except was... they were not in the band at the same time right okay yeah not to be confused with little Stephen Van Zandt who's a different yes, person he was yes and in a different band yes. <laughs> um the remaining members of the band had reunited just once before at a Charlie Daniels volunteer jam show in 1979 <laughs> let's, let's just say that again a Charlie Daniels volunteer jam show <laughs> I say it sounds like sounds like fun. In 1979, which featured the younger Johnny Van Zant on vocals for the first time, hmm. the small 1987 tour was very successful and also coincided with a rise in a new radio station format. <laughs> Any guesses on what that could be? I guess classic rock. That's the one. <laughs> With a new generation of fans, along with fans who grew up with the band's music, the new slash original lineup decided to stay together to tour and possibly change their name to LS2 as not wanting to tarnish the band's legacy. They wound up not doing that. They still still continue to tour and promote as Leonard Skinner. I saw them in 2014. Really? At Walnut Creek with my dad. I told you about that. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to say we were together. I you. You would not have gone to a show. I would not have gone. No. But um, all I remember is that the audience at the Leonard Skinner show is exactly what you would picture an audience at the Leonard Skinner show looking like, down to the guy wearing a Confederate flag tank top. Nice. Who was like a row in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) I got to get one of those. (laughs) Don't even joke. Don't even joke. So since... Uh, since 1987, the lineup has gone through many changes, but the post-1977 version of Leonard Skinner has recorded nine albums and oh. been on nu- numerous successful tours, where I'm guessing they play all of two songs from those nine successful albums. I was going to say, I don't know <laughs> like, any other know. songs than what no. we named from their first few. I do not know anything from the Johnny Van Zant mm. era from, uh, from Leonard Skinner. You don't celebrate their entire catalog? Uh not the Johnny part. I guess uh you prefer Ronnie over Johnny. I do. Who well who doesn't? <laughs> and that, my friends. Oh, hold on. Oh. They're still they're still kicking. Oh, is the story. Yes. So hold on. Hold All right. On. This is their current lineup for this year. Yes. As uh so if anybody happens to be in Forest City, Iowa, Fort Worth, Texas, Shakopee, Shakopee Minnesota, Minnesota or, or Minot, North Dakota, there's a uh, a buddy of mine was in the Air Force in Minot. Really? Yes. Okay. Um, they're playing Billy so they're, Bob's Texas. So twice. there is an Air Force base in Minot. I know that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's who's showing up to that show. <laughs> so they're still out there. They're still. They're still out there touring. And, and they're their back thing. up and at it, even, you know, COVID-ish times yeah. at this point in the U.S. But I'm sorry, I interrupted your final line. That's okay. That that, that was the story of the Leonard Skinner plane crash. Applause, 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 applause. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> yes. I see Come some on, people everybody. not clapping. Clap. Yeah, we, we can't hear you. But. <laughs> oh, and, this has been, and this has been a ton of fun. Yeah. Yes. It has been. It has been. So should we do our little, uh, our, our little outro? Because this is going to be our episode. Mm-hmm. And then uh, take some time to chitty chat. Or yes. as Sarah said, I would, I should have called it instead of chitty chat corner. Could it, should have called it uh, Chitty Chitty Chat Chat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> makes sense. So. <laughs> All right. Oh, we got applause icon. See, we got clap. Nice. We got clap. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. So um, you do our outro. No, you, because I just finished speaking. But I did the intro. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
So this has been another episode. No. Uh, that, <laughs> sorry, that was the Leonard Skinner plane crash. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week, but not live. Not not live. Not no. not live. Not not live. Yep. Not. And and and. And and and. <laughs> <laughs>